Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Let's get dangerous. It's episode number 83 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most honorable Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is the Dark Knight, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Uh, I'm pretty good, Doug. I, I, I've been thinking about something, though, and, and it's kind of bothering me a little bit. OK, you know what? This is the time and place to work out things that are bothering you. What, what's uh, what's on your mind, Liam? Why don't we have any inside jokes? I think we do. I think we do to a great extent. The inside jokes are somewhat built into the format of the show. Um, and, and we don't do a lot of callbacks. Is that what you're, you're, you're referring yeah, to? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I listen to all the, the popular podcasts, you know, the, the big 50 or whatever, you know, the ones, the humor, the humor ones, with uh, the, the humor ones. That's right. The, where they talk <laughs> to each other and they just repeat the same jokes every episode. And it seems like th- there's two big things that separate them from us. The obvious one is that they, uh, are given money for doing this, uh, but well, they the didn't other start. Is, they didn't start out uh, being given money, right? Sure, 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 sure. But that's where they are now. <laughs> and the only thing I can tell, it's not that they're more charming or funny than me. Mm-hmm. I guess you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that they, you know, they have all these callbacks and inside jokes that they could. You know, there's nothing that we do that we could put on a T-shirt. And so I, I just feel like we need to up our inside joke game. Here's the thing. And this sure. is something I've been meaning to address on the show for a while, Liam. Um, mm-hmm. The It would have been so easy for us to create a podcast where yeah. we covered the career of a currently popular actor or actress. And there's lots of podcasts that do that, right? There are podcasts dedicated to Keanu Reeves and, and Denzel Washington, you know, well-known uh, actors. And those po- podcasts are very popular uh, because of that. But – our in-joke is the concept of the show, right? It's It creates the niche, and we don't really need to alienate or gatekeep our listeners any more than that. We need to make sure that any episode that they can jump in on and enjoy it as if it was almost like the first, because otherwise we would have no audience. So your feeling is that inside jokes exist on podcasts – as a way to like let people know that they're part of an in-group. I think that's absolutely the case. And I listen to a lot of mm. podcasts that do mm. exactly that. And it is, it is sort of both a way to uh, bring people in and to reward people for listening at length. And I mean, mm. there, we do have in-jokes, Liam. I do refer to your love of punk music and things along those lines and the fact that you're diabetic. And I mean, these are things yeah, that people do I guess know. So. I, I guess I was looking for, A, things that were funny. Right. And B, I wrote about 20 minutes of jokes about uh, TGI Fridays. And I just thought we could like just work them in, like just riffs on TGI Fridays. And, uh, you know, what's up with TGI Fridays? You know, another another uh, in joke for me is when we have a guest on the line and we just make them wait. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, but that's that's also because I hate people and I just Mm -hmm. like to cause suffering as much as I can. Well, Liam. Don't shut up. Today's returning <laughs> guest is a pop culture writer best known for his comprehensive random roles interviews for the AV Club. It's Will Harris. How you doing, Will? I'm doing well, although I'm concerned that 
having come back a second time now, I may be a recurring joke. You are. You. This is a callback right now. But what's interesting yeah. about this particular callback is, Liam, I believe you were not uh, the co-host when Will was on previously. Is that correct? I don't think so. Uh, I have a terrible memory. But what movies did you talk about, Will? Gosh, what did we talk about? We talked, we about-, talked about an episode of what was that series that you love so much, Will? <laughs> Less than perfect, I believe. Yeah, did and yes. did we talk about a movie as well? I feel like we did, although I cannot recall for the life of me what the movie was. Well, I'm if only there was some way to look that up on the internet. Impossible, impossible. But uh, but Liam, needless to say, I don't think you missed out on as much as you would have missed out if you weren't <laughs> taking part in this particular episode. That's just what I have to say. Of course, the last time Will was on, and of course we'll link that in the show notes. Will told us all about his favorite. Eric Roberts movies. So instead of that, Will, why don't you tell us about a recent project that you've been uh, waiting to be able to share with the world uh, that I'm super excited about. I know that we usually leave these plugs till the very end, but Will, I want you to get it out there right now. Sure. Uh, Well, uh, a few years back, I did an oral history of the film Airplane, the comedy classic uh, for the AV club. And it uh, went over very well, was you know, passed along on the internet repeatedly uh, and was actually appreciated by David Zucker, Jim Abrams, and Jerry Zucker, the guys who wrote and directed the film originally. And it's been gestating for a while now, but uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, I'm now officially working on a book with ZAZ, as they're known in the biz, uh, on their, uh, I can't really tell you all the specifics, but I think it's fair to say that an airplane could be involved. Now, Will, you also, years back, did an oral history of the movie UHF uh, for the Dissolve website. Is that correct? That is true. And actually, I know one, it. One could argue that uh, that is, was kind of an impetus for getting the airplane gig because I did the oral history of UHF for the Dissolve, little knowing that over at the AV Club, <laughs> Sean O'Neill was working on an oral history of UHF as well, uh, which led him to get... Very disgruntled, although not at me, just at the people from Shout Factory who had not uh, let him know that two people were working on one. Uh, but it got him talking about wanting me to do more oral histories for the AV Club, which led to him saying, would you like to do one for Airplane? And the rest is history. I only brought it up because of how amused I was by the fact that, that there was two oral histories oh, of man. UHF. They're both very good, and they're both worthwhile if you're a fan of that movie, which I am. Liam, what do you think about the movie UHF? Are you a big fan of that movie? Well, I've, I have very, very positive memories of it, but mm. I s- haven't seen it in so long. It's hard to say like, oh, yeah, I love it because it's it, I, I don't know. You know, Liam, is is Weird Al not punk enough for you to enjoy? First of all, I <laughs> listen to a lot of things that are punk, you fucking okay. dick. Uh-huh. Second of all, I think I think Weird Al is great. It, I have a split among my friends. The ones for whom fun is an element in music they appreciate, Mm -hmm. they like Weird Al. For others, fun must be, in the form of music at least, must be crushed and destroyed and its denizens murdered. So for them, Weird Al is the enemy. I see. Now, Will Harris, I'm sure you enjoy music that has an element of fun to it. Oh, boy, do I. What is no, what? Seriously, I do. (laughs) I know that you do, Will, because I read a lot of your writing. Will, what are some of the fun bands that people should be listening to that don't include Weird Al, not necessarily parody artists, though I do like uh, the odd parody, as I'm sure you do, since you're writing a, a book about the airplane movie, but sure. what other, what's, what's some good music that's fun that Liam should be listening to since he appreciates fun music? 
Well, I would not go so far as to say it's new music, but some of the bands I like that are particularly fun. Uh, there's actually a Swedish band called The Merrymakers mm. that uh, does some very catchy power pop stuff. That uh, they work with Andy Sturmer from Jellyfish and a few other folks who would qualify as fun. Uh, that's certainly the top of my list. Oh, what about the band Fun? Uh, <laughs> good, but I think that one song kind of killed people from listening to them because it got so tremendously overplayed. <laughs> would you agree with that, Liam? They're the worst. I would. I would rather die. <laughs> you just don't like them because they're popular, Liam. No, that music is bad. I like Prince. Come on, like I love popular music that doesn't suck balls. Oh boy, <laughs> strong opinions here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Just back over to you for a second, Liam. Now I asked Will, uh, who gave us a very interesting, unique, fun band. What would be in your genre of choice? What's a fun, because I think this is sort of controversial, because I think a lot of fun, quote unquote, fun punk bands are sort of dismissed uh, and and probably not given uh, very much credit uh, because they are not as serious, because it is seen as a serious genre. What are some fun punk bands we should be listening to? That's actually a good question. When I was a teenager, Liam, I was a big fan of the Vandals. Do they have credibility? I'm sure within a certain segment of people they do. I'm not a fan. I, mm-hmm. I think the music is not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a band that I think is musically engaging uh, that has fun elements is Devo. But I think saying that Devo is fun ignores all the upsetting things that they do, which sure. I think are also brilliant. So I don't want to say – I think from a distance, Devo is fun. And then when you dig in, you're like, oh, this isn't fun at all, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, that's, but that's some of the best stuff is the stuff that's not fun. All right, well, we're going to listen to Devo at some point in the future, Liam and I together, and you can explain to me both the fun and more serious elements of that music. Okay, sounds good to me. But we don't have time to listen to Devo right now because we need to dip into the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 83 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And we're starting a little bit unusually this uh, this episode because we're starting with a Eric Roberts retweet from the RZA. Now, I know I know both Will Harris, our guest today, and Liam, my co-host, you're big fans of the Wu-Tang Clan. Actually, if I remember correctly, Liam, you said you were not a fan of the Wu-Tang Clan. No, 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 no. I just prefer the first album to the most of the ones that came later. And some of the side projects are good and some of them are not great. But that first record is really great. That was me doing a callback, by the way, to a previous episode where we talked about the Wu-Tang. And this is a quote uh, from Riza from September 12th where he says, The day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Be patient. Be humble. Stay in faith and keep moving forward. And know that all this hard work you're putting in day in and day out, will produce the results you've been looking for. Educate yourself. Hashtag Wu-Tang. And reading that actually reminded me of how much uh, work Will Harris has been putting into his airplane book and how much he's been waiting for that seed <laughs> to to provide fruit. And and look, Will, now you, the fruit is, uh, is arriving. I mean, I'm sure you would have ha- been much happier if that fruit arrived a little faster. But the fruit is here. Will, the fruit. <laughs> the fruit is here. And my patience is what led to the fruit getting here i think because i was forewarned from the very first conversation with david zucker that it was going to be like herding cats to get everyone on the same page for everything and uh he was right 
And uh, but here we are, finally. And here, I couldn't be, ha- could not be happier. It, it's a, it's a great moment in history. Liam, does hard work bear fruit? I mean, I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true to everyone's experience because there's also an element of luck that goes into play sure. uh, as well as an element of, of opportunity and privilege. Not to stop but, you there, Liam, but I mean, we've actually discussed that on this very episode. Sometimes that opportunity comes from a oral history of UHF that has been competing with another oral history of UHF, sure. which then leads to an oral history of airplane, which then leads to uh, being contacted by the creators of airplane. Mm-hmm. Please continue. I just, I, I, so I, I think for, uh, Riza's entire worldview is shaped so strongly by Kung Fu movies uh-huh. that, that like literally like everything he thinks comes from there. So, uh, as well as, and I say movies, but that's being reductive as well as books and manuals. Sure. I mean, Absolutely. he has one of the, he has one of the largest private collections of Kung Fu manuals in the world. So, uh, I, I just think he has this very martial arts physical, if you keep moving forward and, and work, you're going to get there. And I think that that's true to a certain extent, but I think it, it, there oftentimes is redefined by the journey. So like you maybe thought you knew where you were going, but when you end up in a place that is good, it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. And Riza not only has a kung fu collection and is a big fan of kung fu uh, movies, he also starred and directed in a very terrible kung fu movie, Liam. Yeah. Uh, is that, what is that called? <laughs> the Man with the called. Iron Fists. Yes. Um, I, didn't, I didn't like it very much, unfortunately. But I, didn't, I, do, I didn't hate it, though, but I didn't like it. Well, I said I it they did, Didn't they do a sequel as well? They did do a sequel. They did do a sequel called The Man with the Iron Fist 2. Uh, I have not seen it, so I have no opinion on it. And it could be much improved from the first one. And I like I lead a positive life, Liam, and I like to work hard and, and, and move forward. So I'm going to hope that someday I'm going to see The Man with Iron Fist 2. Enjoy it very much and maybe revise my whole opinion on the first movie. It could It could happen, Liam. I mean, there's so many other movies you could watch, though, that I don't know that you might never get there. A lot of Shaw Brothers movies I've yet to watch. On September 7th, Eric Roberts tweeted out a photo of two cats on a uh, a bed, it looks like. Two cats. And he <laughs> has called this tweet, Snuggly Boys. Liam, Snuggly Boys. Now, I don't know which one of the cats. If, is this Stevie or Wonder? See, that's another callback, by the way. Uh, <laughs> or Brooklyn. Or Brooklyn. Stevie, Wonder, or Brooklyn. But these are two Snuggly Boys, Liam. Will Harris, do you have cats? I have had a cat. I currently have a dog. What's your dog's name, Will? Dog's name is Honey. Honey? Now, that's a, what kind of dog is Honey? Uh, a mixture of several things. Uh, corgi, possibly some beagle. Oh, my goodness. Uh, she is uh, multifaceted in her uh, genre. Well, she sounds, <laughs> she sounds delightful. Liam, have you ever discussed the name? Actually, you know what? I'm going to switch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot this question. Ooh. When you were naming your daughter... Was there ever any argument between your wife and yourself regarding what her name should be? Uh, Between me and my wife? Well, I mean, yeah, we discussed a little bit. um, A lot of it came from my mom is very, very Irish. uh, Fiddle-dee-dee, potatoes! And so she was very... uh, (laughs) She was very interested in us picking a Gaelic name. But... um, I, part of it was also that uh, there was, I don't know, it was weird reasons. It was just we, we, we had boiled it down to two and just one really stuck with us and we went with that. 
Well, I think it's a lovely name, and I'm certainly not criticizing it anyway. But did you want to call your child something in tribute to one of your punk heroes? No, not at all. That's crazy. It didn't even cross your mind? Not once? Nope. No, not even once. Well, Harris, you have a daughter. I'm not going to make you talk about her in any detail because I don't uh, I don't like people to speak about their family in so much detail that people can, <laughs> you know, get creepily obsessed with your whole worldview and your whole life and things like that. Because yeah, I don't talk about her at all on Facebook. <laughs> well, I recommend that people follow you on Facebook. But we've had guests before who are very adamant that people shouldn't follow them on Facebook. Uh, but, Will, when it came to the name of your daughter, and again, you shouldn't say your daughter's name. <laughs> But did you and and your lovely wife, did you argue about what that name should be? No, we actually uh, had discussions about it. Uh, They were all very reasoned and uh, level-headed. And ultimately, we ended up naming her not so much after a song, but we heard a song, and the way her name was spelled within the song was semi-unique, so we decided we'd go with that name. We both agreed on it, and then... Uh, I mean, I will tell her name because it, it's, it's well documented at this point. It's Allison, A L L Y S O N. But I, I tell it only to, to hype the name of the band that gave us that. Uh, they're called the Crayons. Oh. And the song is called uh, Allison Fell Off the Bike. I would have thought that, of course, it was the classic Elvis Costello song. But once again, you you definitely maneuver around my expectations, Will, and delight me all the more. I like to zig when people think I'm going to zag. <laughs> Lots of zagging. Speaking of zagging, on September 3rd, Eric Roberts tweeted, this is a very serious tweet, by the way. I've been very, <clears throat> I've been fairly silent, not wanting to offend treasured friends who may see and feel things differently. But I have to take exception to the latest at real Donald Trump. If you are decent, you will devote equal time to mentioning the millions of people who are in the U.S. legally and who have taken lives. Eric Roberts taking a stand, an anti-Donald Trump stand. Uh, I found it very refreshing, even though this uh, this is even before some of the more recent controversial statements that Donald Trump has made. Liam, when you see our man taking a stand, how does it make you feel? I mean, I get the idea that he doesn't want to offend treasured friends. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, fuck those friends. I just, I, I, we're moving very, we're moving more and more in a direction where people who are like, well, you know, I just don't want to offend anyone are just really starting to bum me out. Um, so it's, you know, it's fine. That's great. I'm glad he is willing to say something. But, you know, I, I don't want someone putting a tweet out like this when I'm being marched into a camp by Trumpites. You know, like, <laughs> I just would like someone to take a bit of a stronger stand in my mind. Well, the floor is yours, Liam. What do you have to say about your United States president? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean... The only reason I won't say the worst is that it downplays how horrible many of them have been. And that part kind of bums me out. We're like, this is completely different than anything that's ever happened before. I'm like, no, this is the worst of the shit piles. But they've all been pretty (laughs) shitty. Like, let's not pretend. Uh, But is it still the worst? It's still the worst. I'm okay with the worst. I just don't want to say the worst in a way that, like, nothing like this has ever happened. You know, it's happened. We've had bad people in charge before that have caused real problems but i think this is just it's it's the combo of awful and stupid 
And, you know, and, and it's such a weird moment. Everyone's just kind of like, why is this happening to us now of all times? It just doesn't make sense. Well, I'm not going to put Will Harris on the spot to speak out his political views in a way that could possibly get back to, say, maybe one of the subjects of a book that he's but, currently working on. Let's, let's just say that I am Facebook friends with David Zucker. So at this <laughs> point, he's got to know. We're just, we're just not talking about it. It is just a constant elephant in the room, probably. But only for me. I'm sure not even for him. I'm, I can't imagine you could even exist in Hollywood and be a uh, conservative. And you, you just have to keep your mouth shut, I guess, to some extent. Yeah, there's only so much of a bubble that you can exist in and still actually work, I would think. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, you know what I do know? There's a very popular reality show <laughs> On television in the UK right now called Celebrity Island. We've talked about this on the most recent episodes of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Now, this show, Celebrity Island, is hosted by survivalist Bear Grylls, a favorite of one Mr. Liam O'Donnell. Uh, and even though I have yet to watch an episode, we, of course, will be covering an episode uh, if I can get a hand, uh, if I can actually track one down on a future episode. There's been a lot of controversial things happening on Celebrity Island. Liam, have you heard about this? Have you been checking this out? Have you been hearing about this? This is my, me doing my, my Leno, by the way. You hear about this, Liam? 100, 100% the only indication I have is uh, because I actually watch current uh, BBC episodes of uh, Great British Bake Off. Yes. And a couple times at the end, not even of Bake Off, but of uh, – an extra slice. They're like, whoop, things are really getting out of control on Celebrity Island. And I'm like, really? What is what's going on? But that's all I've heard is like their little lead in trying to get you to watch the fucking show. As one of the people on this planet who have an Eric Roberts Google alert, I can tell you some recent events on Celebrity Island have been getting a lot of traction. This is an article from the Irish Times at irishtimes.com, which is titled Celebrity Island for Attention Seekers. Life can be savage. And it has a subtitle. Very interesting one. Bumbling and deceptively oblivious, Eric Roberts proves to be the wisest on Bear Grylls Island. Uh, it started out like an insult, turned into a bit of a compliment there, Liam. And this is in regards to, I'm just going to jump to the part of the uh, the article that has to do with Eric. Someone who doesn't care about anyone's opinion is actor Eric Roberts, brother of Julia, father of Emma. He is a glorious study in unyielding obliviousness. After almost drowning when swimming from the boat to the island with Martin Kemp coming to his rescue, he displays his gratitude by not bothering to learn the Spano Ballet star's name, repeatedly calling him Sam and then Colin with a nonchalant shrug of the shoulders. Now that's the obliviousness part of it. But here, here's where it turns around. He manages to endear himself to the group even further by brazenly polishing off all the emergency water on day one, <laughs> pottering about sounding like Iggy Pop with a peanut allergy, spouting Americanisms no one in, to no one in particular. He looks as though he's been an island inhabitant for decades, dusty and disheveled. He appears to be a bumbling eccentric, but proves to be anything but when it comes to having the measure of Roxanne palette. Now, that was a lot of me reading, a lot of me reading directly from an article that someone worked very hard on. I don't know who Roxanne Pallet is, but I can tell you, this uh, this standoff between Eric Roberts and Roxanne became a huge big deal on Celebrity Island. I have a series of headlines that you can read. Celebrity Island fans react after Eric Roberts' ruthless dig at Roxanne Pallet. This is from the Mail Online. Roxanne Pallet is mocked by fans after skeptical Eric Roberts dismisses her theatrical behavior with a stinging jibe on Celebrity Island. And this is from the Irish Mirror. Celebrity Island fans in hysterics at Eric Roberts' <laughs> savage dig 
at Roxanne Pallet. Liam, when you read this sort of thing, does it make you excited to watch a little uh, Celebrity Island? I mean, I like that he's kept up what he learned from fucking uh, the rehab show where he's, he's going to stir that goddamn pot and they're going to keep him around because he's a fucking troublemaker. Like I'm into that. Yeah. I, I want to see Robert, Eric Roberts fucking running rampant, not giving a fuck what anyone thinks being like, fuck all these British fuckholes. I'll do whatever oh my I want. Goodness. Very. I mean, I'm just saying he, he clearly like went on and was like, I, I do what I want, you know? And I'm, I'm kind of into that. Now, Will, I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, you haven't seen the show yet, but I do want to read just this little piece about well, what... Could, before you read it, if I could just say, I find it very upsetting that he can't remember Martin Kemp's name. Well, well, as a Spandau Ballet fan from way back when, uh, I mean, at worst, maybe he could have called him, you know, Gary Kemp. That, that's his brother. But come Sam. There is a Sam Kemp. <laughs> there, I'm this sorry, is, ca- Carry on. This is a, a live and die situation. <laughs> He's trying to survive out there, Will. He can't be expected to remember his name and their name and whoever's name, but he does. I mean, the man was part of the band that did True and Gold. Uh, come on. Hey, I agree with you, Will. I'm just saying, uh, I've, I've never I'm been... Just, I've you're, never, right, you're right. I've never faced the pressures of a celebrity island. This is true. I, nor have I. So, Roxanne Pallet, she spent most of the episode burbling about not caring about her appearance and her transformation into an Amazonian ninja woman, that's in quotation marks, which prompts Eric to ask, are you saying that for us or is it for the camera? Causing the actress to flounce off before becoming entangled in a fishing net leading to more tears. Reading that, Will Harris, you must be very interested in checking out this celebrity island. She got entangled in a fishing net. I am also interested in checking out more by this writer who uses the word flounce so flagrantly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's only so many words you can use to describe uh, these sort of situations, I'm sure. Later that night, she awakened the islanders screaming that she had a panic attack due to the smoky air. It reminded her of a house fire from her childhood. By the morning, <laughs> she requests to leave as she's waved off to safety. Eric sighs. Great story. I wonder when the movie is coming out. His knowing <laughs> eyes twinkling in the sunshine like a shipwrecked Yoda. Celebrity Island! Liam, you got to be very excited about us checking out Celebrity Island now. Before I wasn't so sure, I am convinced. Yeah, I'm pretty into it. I think it'll be cool. Will Harris, what are your thoughts on Phil Collins? Uh, I, I will say that I have interviewed Phil Collins for the AV Club. Oh, uh, I, I, uh, I find him very uh, enjoyable and entertaining and up for talking about anything, including the terrible Led Zeppelin re- reunion at uh, Live Aid that he was part of. <laughs> what do you think of him as a musician? Now, I'm sure you're a fan, uh, um, Will. I don't want to speak for you. I'm sure you're a fan of a band called Genesis. I'm a fan of Genesis, and I, I came up during the age where I found Phil Collins ubiquitous on sure. the radio and on MTV, of course. So, I mean, I... I have a very soft spot for Phil Collins, even though I know that his music is not the best. I just he does have a lot of great hooks, and I'm a fan of pop hooks. So, well, one of the hooks he has is an acting hook. You might remember him from the movie Buster and sure. other performances as well. Well, Phil Collins almost had his hooks <laughs> into Doctor Who. Apparently, this is according to an article that was published on September 14th. Phil Collins very nearly played the master in Doctor Who, specifically the U.S. television movie Doctor Who, where Eric Roberts ended up playing it. Liam O'Donnell, what's your favorite Phil Collins song? So I uh? I should I should have a better answer for this, but right now it's uh, 
what is it called? Take a look at me now. And I think that's, I think that's called against all odds. Oh, but you're right. Par- against all odds. Parenthetically, it is. Take a look at me to, now. So uh, against, detail oriented. Against, against all odds, <laughs> because my man straight up uh, on a and there was a uh, episode of This American Life where someone's talking about they want to write a love song for an ex, like an ex song, you know, like not like a love song, but like a you broke my heart sure. song. And they want to talk to Phil Collins about it. And then magically Phil Collins fucking becomes available to talk to them about it. And he straight up wrote that song thinking like he admits totally that he thought his goddamn ex-wife was going to come back when she heard that song. And the guy, <laughs> the, the balls, the balls to be like writing that song going, when she hears this shit, man, this is going to fix it. <laughs> what? Really? Like that, just knowing that story, like hearing him tell that story just made me go, well, that's not my favorite song. Like, are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. <laughs> well, I mean, in his defense, it was called Against All Odds. So it's like he knew that it wasn't a sure thing she was going to come back. But, you know, you know, Against All Odds, she might come back. The line in the song, though, take a look at me now is not something you say as a humble apology to your ex. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just... Something about the way he talked about it, too. I mean, now he looks back and he's like, what a fucking idiot. But <laughs> at the time, and the fact that the, the whole reason that record sounds like it does is because of that breakup, that he actually wanted to transition back into jazz. He's like, I'm going to do jazz <laughs> piano songs. I'm not going to do pop music. Like, that's fucked up. And then his wife leaves him, and then all he has is all this sadness, and he writes that record, which was so huge, you know? Like, whatever. It was just a great story. I guess he had to comfort himself. With all of that money, Liam, in the the go-go capitalism 80s. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, I love that. I I know you do. Is that the most punk uh, Phil Collins song, or is that uh, I Can't Dance? That's a Genesis song. Why why must you do this to me? Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2019's Monster Lake, the directorial debut of Hal Porcelain. And here's a plot summary written by Porcelain themselves on the Internet Movie Database. On an overnight school field trip, the kids find a way to get loose from Principal Wiener and the teachers and gallivant in the park. And it turns out to be a crazy, scary field trip that these kids will never forget. In this ancient park nicknamed Monster Lake. Yeah, that's that's the plot summary written by the director. (laughs) Notably, uh, the film does wow. not have any writing credits at this point, and one can only hope that Mr. Porcelain is not the uh, the writer here. But despite the name, the film is listed on the Internet Movie Database as an adventure film, not a horror film. It's called Monster Lake, features Principal Wiener, but, uh, but yeah, not a horror film. Will Harris, over to you. Would you be interested in a movie called Monster Lake after reading that plot summary? I feel like maybe I would at least be interested. I don't know how interested, but I mean, I'm, I'm just barely intrigued enough. That I'd like to see how it plays out. It does say that it turns out to be a crazy, scary field trip. Crazy scary. Well, that's way more scary than regular scary. It is. And, you know, I, I feel like I would be more interested if they'd work the word shenanigans in. Mm. Uh, as it is, though, I'm, I'm still mildly interested. Liam, when you read a poorly written, again, I don't want to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean here. We'll be mean a little bit later. But when you read a poorly written plot summary by the creator of a film, what does that make you think? Does that does that make you feel like they don't deserve to make this movie? Or do you think that maybe it was just a, a lack of detail? You know, it's hard to say. I, I, I don't want to assume that um, it was written by 
the actual person making the movie. Like maybe this was a shitty press representative or who maybe, just, you know just, what I mean? Well, it did use, it does say written by Hal Porcelain. Like that, that section is written by Hal Porcelain. Yeah. That, that specific plot summary was written by the director in this case. Well, that's a bummer. I don't know what to say about that. Well, your job is to say something. <laughs> well, my then all I'm gonna say is, yeah, that sucks, man. Like, what the fuck? But I, okay, okay, I don't know. Maybe he has a good visual style. We also must. I mean, again, we we know very little about this circumstance. Perhaps English is not his first language. Perhaps. Oh, that's true. I mean, yeah. we just we just can't know. Though he did use the word gallivant, which I feel like is a pretty advanced word. Uh, I don't use that word very often, Liam, and I gallivant all the time. I mean, do you gallivant all the time? Uh, you seem like kind of a homebody to me. I am a homebody. That's true. But when I'm out and around, I do gallivant. I guess okay. gallivanting actually means to be out and around. So I do it sometimes, I should say. So you're a known gallivanter. Yeah, well, not not known, I wouldn't say. I think that's maybe going a little too far. But I personally, I think of myself as a an occasional gallivanter, Liam. A- occasionally. You've been known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're uh, a, a situational gallivanter. Is that what I want to say? A seasonal gallivanter? I feel like a sporadic gallivanter. Mm, I feel sporadic like is good. I feel like we're leaning a little heavy on the whole gallivanting thing. So <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's let's uh, let's put that in our back pocket. Maybe we'll return to it a little later. We need to take our first break, Liam, because when we return, this is very exciting. We're going to talk about a sequel to a movie we've never seen. It's called Surge of Power. Revenge of the sequel, and not only is it a sequel to a movie we haven't seen, Liam, it came out in the year 2018, this very year. It's almost a brand new movie. We don't usually cover new movies on Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man, but we're making an exception. Very interesting movie, a superhero movie with a twist. We'll talk about that right after this. How can I just let let you leave without a trace When I stand here taking every breath with you Ooh. You're the only one who really knew me at all How can you just walk away from me When all I can do is watch you leave Cause we share Surge leaves his hometown, Big City, to pursue his arch enemy headed to Las Vegas to find mysterious crystals key to the diabolical plan of an even greater supervillain, which erupts in a battle on Hoover Dam and back in Big City. That is sort of the plot summary of 2018's Surge of Power, Revenge of the Sequel. I feel like that kind of covers maybe the first, like, 40 minutes or so. Uh, but, I, hey, I'm not here to criticize. I'm here to... 
uh, give you guys an opportunity to criticize. This is a movie, a superhero, I guess we'd call it a superhero parody to some extent. As I mentioned, a sequel to the original Surge of Power, which focuses on this character of Surge. But it is notable for a number of different reasons. And the two, I guess, biggest are A... This is a gay-themed horror, uh, horror, I was going to say a horror movie. This is a gay-themed superhero movie, which is pretty rare, pretty uh, unique uh, in terms of superhero movies. And also, it has a cavalcade of famous faces in this movie. Lots of familiar names, especially if you're a fan of superhero properties, uh, especially older superhero properties. And the way that uh, they were able to get these faces in the movie, well, it's kind of unique, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. This was directed, uh, co-directed by Antonio Lexerat, who actually is in the movie in a few different roles, including Adolf Hitler, uh, and co-directed also by Vincent J. Roth, who plays Surge in the movie himself, and I'm guessing legitimately drives around in the car that he has in this movie, which advertises... This very movie on its uh, bumper sticker telling people to go to a website to help support the franchise. little fourth wall breaking here in uh, Surge of Power. It also, of course, features Eric Roberts as a supervillain named Augur. And, well, we'll get to some of the other appearances in just a little bit. I want to start with our guest, Will Harris. Will, what did you think of the superhero parody movie Surge of Power Revenge of the Sequel? I think there is some merit in it. However, it I would not go so far as to actually recommend it per se. It's it's a tough watch. I think it took me like three various viewing sessions to make it all the way through. Now, why is that? What makes it so tough? What's so difficult about why? We like superhero movies, Will. I know that we're getting a little burnt out on them. And certainly some people aren't such uh, big fans of the genre like Ethan uh, Hawke. But the rest of us, we like watching our superhero movies. Why did you have such trouble with it? Yeah. I, there, I guess there are various reasons, but it just it felt like it it moved at a snail's pace for one thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of times it, it's good intentions, I think, were masked by not spectacular performances. Now How's that, that? I think that's a very fair thing to say. <laughs> okay. So for <laughs> those who have not seen Surge of Power, uh, and you can actually watch this currently on Amazon Prime in the U.S. if you do have that service. Um, the in some ways, this is an amateurly made film, and I don't think that that is a massive criticism, but we are talking about performers who um, are amateur actors for the most part, outside of some of the more famous faces that appear in the movie. And in particular, I think that the performance, the central performance by Vincent J. Roth as Surge is a pretty weak performance, and I think his costume is a little terrible looking as well um and and sometimes some of the supporting performances are are actually even worse uh so it is a little difficult to get emotionally involved and since you spend so much time with this particular character mostly driving around talking to someone that he can't see uh it can get a little tedious to watch that's how i would feel about it but liam you might feel slightly differently what did you think of this movie there's not one but two jokes in the film about how this guy is a bad actor. Yes. It's in the fucking script. Yeah, yes. When you're working in jokes, when you are the co-director and star of the film, who I assume has some approval on the script, <laughs> and there's not one but two jokes about how you suck, that is a level of like, why? what are we even doing here that I can't get on board with? Um, the I, I, So sometimes in a, in a low budget film like this, 
um, there are other things that can pull you in. So like new ideas or cool effects or um, performances that are like really intense and fun while other aspects aren't good. But for me, the only thing that's good about this movie in any way is the sort of intentions of, oh, this is a, a story about a gay superhero who specifically is about, you know, defending human rights and, you know, then even using it. And I appreciate that the villain, instead of making the villain just an angry mm-hmm. straight man, though, I guess technically in this movie, uh, the Uber villain seems to be an angry straight man, True. but that his most direct nemesis is another, uh, a homosexual man who's who's been rejected and Mm -hmm. his experience has caused him to you know sort of a sympathetic magneto character which is a little corny because he literally has magnetic powers um he literally has a magnet on his head he has a magnet (laughs) on his goddamn head (laughs) um still i actually like the one insight to this that i like is the idea that you know we're gonna borrow in some sense from the even though these two gentlemen get their powers from an accident, which is not very X-Men like the idea of the, we're both motivated by the same thing, but in different directions. I really like that aspect. I like that aspect. I like that aspect that they both have. It's basically, they are both facing off against bigotry in different ways. Surge is doing it through positive actions and trying to combat it. And, uh, is this, uh, super villain is doing it by being a super villain. And we actually get introduced to his parents and how they have kind of rejected him, Mm -hmm. uh, because they're, they're, I guess, uh, strictly uh, Jewish family. It, 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 we'll talk about that in just a second, but I did like that aspect of it though. Uh, what was, sorry, what was the villain's name again? Magnet Master? Metal Master. Metal Metal Master. Master. The thing about the Metal Master story is I think it's the only interesting story being told here. And then it kind of just vanishes entirely in the third – in like the final third of the movie, it's like they didn't. I mean, they do complete the story because his his family eventually, you know, finds a way towards accepting him. Uh, but uh, but I did. I, I felt like I think though that that's an aspect of this being a sequel. I think we got sure. I think there was probably more of his story in the first one, and what we got of it in this movie was actually more like a catching us up like people like us who didn't see the first one they're just getting us on the same page and then they only move the story forward a teeny bit because of his parents but the movie seems to be if there is any other sort of motivating thing it's just a surge's love life which apparently sucks and b that there's an underlying battle between eric roberts character and uh oracle i guess is the name of the of the behind the scenes good person Mm-hmm. Who can be male or female, which is cool. So whatever. But so in other words, the movie just sets us up for the inevitable sequel. It is like literally a sandwich film uh, in the sense of like it ends in a way that no movie could possibly end. It's not even a great ending for a pilot, let alone a movie. It, it was it was startling. Yeah, it, it does have a rather startling ending because, you, like you said, uh, Liam, it does set up something else. In this case, it set up a web series uh, uh, which I guess is currently airing in some form. I'm sure we can check that out and link in the uh, show notes as well. But I do think that now, since you already kind of made some reference to it, we need to talk about what I said at the very beginning, which is how many famous faces are in this movie. And this, now, the first Surge of Power movie, Surge of Power, The Stuff of Heroes, came out in 2004. So this movie was, 
um, really something like 14 years in the making uh, since it really only became available in 2018. This is a long in-development movie, and you can tell that by the number of people who have passed away that they uh, show right before the credits hit in this movie. A lot of the people featured have passed away, and the reason that is is that the famous faces on display here were, and I don't think that this is any secret when you watch the movie, were achieved by going to comic conventions, pulling these people aside and getting them, in some cases, just to do, like, uh, man-on-the-street type interviews, in some cases to actually perform small scenes, uh, particularly newscaster-type scenes in the movie. And because of that, we do get a lot of familiar people often making sly references to the part that made them famous. Uh, and I do want to get, especially with you, Will, because you are someone who is very interested in character actors, uh, someone who's interested in people who have had long, interesting careers in the entertainment industry. What were some of the faces that you most enjoyed seeing in Surge of Power? Um, well, the ones I enjoyed the most were the ones who had the actual parts. Right, like of course. Gil, uh, Gil Gerard and Linda Blair played uh, the uh, Metal Masters' parents. Yes. And I thought they were both uh, pretty entertaining and did pretty decent performances. Uh, Gil Gerard really just had to be gruff and uh, not talk to his son for a very long time. He just needed to be gruff and homophobic. That's all he needed Basically, to be. That's it. That's all <laughs> uh, Linda Blair had the, you know, the monologue, monologue for her on the phone uh, with her son early on. So, I mean, they, I thought they did good. Uh, some of the ones at the end were painful. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think the one with the, uh, oh, God, the big, uh, the great, Regu, the big Regu, Eddie uh, Mecca from Laverne Shirley. Uh-huh. So, oh my God, that was painful. <laughs> so, and the unknown comic shows up at one point. Oh, yeah, uh, that was kind of great. <laughs> N- Nicholas Brendan from uh, from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer God, shows up. There, there's no chance that he was not on something. And actually, actually, tying it back to our uh, talking briefly about Doctor Who earlier, Paul McGann, the, the, the Doctor himself from the Doctor Who television movie, shows up looking awfully confused about what he's doing in this But that, was, that was great, though. The fact that it, he would be in that uh, when Eric Roberts is in the film. Yeah, absolutely. And, he, you know, he's a very charming actor. I love Paul McGann. Um, and any other faces that, that jumped out at you that, uh, that you uh, either were surprised to see or you enjoyed seeing, Will? Uh, well, Nichelle Nichols uh, is always nice to see her doing anything that isn't Star Trek, which happens so infrequently. Uh, and just the fact that she would be played by a character that Robert Picardo would also effectively play was, uh, I understand there's explanation for that, but it was still weird. We also get a small appearance by Charlie Schlater, uh, the television uh, version of Ferris Bueller and also appeared, of course, on Diagnosis Murder. And he also appeared in Miss Castaway and the Island Girls, which I think is the worst movie we've ever featured on Eric Roberts <laughs> is the fucking man. Over to you, Liam. Now, Liam, first I want to get your thoughts on, on this method of making your picture more star-studded by going to comic book conventions and basically just getting celebrities to be in your movie. What do you think about that? Um, it has no interest for me, especially because half the people I didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. I just was like, I don't know who that is and why this. I mean, it, you can pick it up that it's a gag immediately. Like, I didn't have to know who I was looking at to get, oh, they're at a convention. This must be a person I'm supposed to know who they are. But mostly I didn't know. Uh, and that's not why I, why I appreciate anyone who he's going to feature I appreciate them for what they're doing. Like at least Lou Ferrigno is on the council of evil people. Like, that's, <laughs> that's cool. He's, he's got, he's got fucking lines. Like that's neat. 
to be fair, I got the feeling the same thing was going on with the council, that these were people I was supposed to know who they were. I didn't know who most of them were. In fact, I think I only knew who Lou Ferrigno was. Some of them, uh, some so, of them had props to notify you to who they were supposed to be, like the actor who played Thor in the Incredible Hulk meets uh, Daredevil, I think. Well, anyway, it's one of the TV movies <laughs> from the 19th. 19- it was yes. a death. Yeah, anyway. So uh, that's who one of the actors was, Liam, just to help you out there. Jesus, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. God damn it. All right, well... The point being is that it's lame. It's 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 lame, but it didn't bum me out because the whole movie is so lame, just at this like other level of lameness that it just starts to be like kind of fun and funny for me because it's just like, you know what? I'm not going to it's it'd be like you're at karaoke and the dad gets up and he's going to sing a Metallica song and you're like, God damn it, this is going to be fucking torture. But then, like, somewhere midway through, he's so sincere, and it's so bad that you're just kind of like, you know what? Just live your truth, man. I'm into it. It's fine. That's how I felt about this fucking movie. By the time we got our third section of random fucks, I don't know who they are, at a comic convention, (laughs) I'm just like, sure, all right, here we go. We're doing it again. Whatever. That's fine. Like, I just didn't care anymore. I think the breaking point for me was Siegfried and Roydium. (laughs) <laughs> I was oh, like, no. I was angry at that I was actually angry at Celine Dion um, whatever fuck it was. Celine Dionium. Celine Dionium, I was like, okay, this movie is fucking torturous. But then when they got to Siegfried and Roydium, I thought, you know what? That's great. That works. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, the I will say the, the plus again here, uh, the charming part about this movie is also um how gay it is like that some of that here we're, we're getting these faces we're supposed to know sure. and that mixed in are like share impersonators and drag queens we so like the idea that some comic nerd who's like i need to see this thing because the fucking guy who played thor in the thing is it and he's got to also put on the same level as thor guy you know various vegas you know uh queens yeah awesome yeah. that part is fucking great i love that but <laughs> there's no entertainment value there's nothing entertaining happens in this movie for most of the movie there's a one or two moments where i'm like hey okay that's cool but for the most part no it's, okay. there's it doesn't work I, I found there was one actual laugh out loud moment for me and it was so quick that i don't even know if anyone else even paid attention to it uh after uh the the uh selenium is uh neutralized there's this quick cutaway to the bridge and a car shooting off yes probably because it was just pent up from not laughing for so long i laughed very hard that was the sum total of my laughter though <laughs> i uh i'm gonna uh, i think we we're beating up on this movie maybe a little too much and i do want to stay a little bit more positive uh, simply because I do think it's important. Representation is very important. I'm glad that this movie exists. However, I do wish it was more entertaining. Um, There is a central plot that you referred to earlier, Liam, which is about Serge trying to form a relationship 
but it's very hard to do as a superhero. And so we see him develop a relationship with a young man in this movie, and they actually have a nice night on the town in Las Vegas and things like that. And it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to show that at least there's some potential for that in his life. But I have to say, that was the most tedious part of this movie. Maybe it's because it was just so standard. You know, there's just nothing interesting necessarily. And also, the guy who plays his love interest is fucking terrible. I mean, he is just an awful, awful actor. Uh, sorry if you're listening to this actor, but, uh, but it's, it's it's, it is a part of the movie where it's just like, I want – this is the most important thing that is to be included here because this is exactly the sort of thing a mainstream movie wouldn't include. But it, it just kind of reinforced how how much they were whiffing on the most important aspect. I also was kind of bothered by the fact that Surge exists as a superhero to combat bigotry, but there's almost no examples of him actually doing that in this movie. Maybe that was in the first movie instead of this one, but outside of a uh, character – calling him and this love interest a homo and getting embarrassed for it it it, there, it doesn't really you know i i want i kind of want to see a gay superhero fighting bigotry but you don't yeah. really, that's not really the central point here even even uh eric roberts playing the villain he's not shown to be bigoted at all in fact he 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 hires an openly gay supervillain to work for him. So uh, it, uh, he makes a comment towards the end that I think is supposed to reveal his true. I think bigotry. you're probably you're, you're absolutely like right. one. It's very it's very toothless and very short. They could have really played that up at the end that like he doesn't really care and he's just manipulating the guy. But it's really just one quick comment that sort of like makes you like his character a little bit less. But it doesn't come up very much. And I, I also felt like that whole plot line like it could be used to sort of give us more sympathy towards surge and to really add another layer. And instead it feels like an opportunity for this particular actor to show that he's still in shape after whatever, 16 years or whatever, (laughs) since the last movie, that's really a lot of what happens is like, look, I'm still hot. And (laughs) that kind of bummed me out a little bit. Like, okay, that's cool. Like I I get it. Like here's your young hot dude, but why not choose his love interest didn't have to be, from what I could tell, probably half his age. Like it, he, it could have been like someone who actually felt a match for him instead of like, no, 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 we're in, we're in the same league. And I'm like, I don't even know you, and I know that person's very much younger than you. It's really <laughs> obvious. Yeah. And also, he was playing a what a, a college student, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I I was hesitant to criticize that aspect of it, particularly because who knows how long it took to actually film all of this. Sure, it might have started yeah. back in the original, uh, you know, in two thousand four, two thousand five. But I mean, in the context of the movie, it does look like a much older person. But I also think you're supposed to be celebrating it as sort of like a pleasant hookup that everyone is happy with i mean i i don't know if i i I feel like i'm stepping outside of my uh own knowledge and comfort level here but i do think that i don't mean because it makes the the relationship immoral that that's not what i mean at all what i mean is that it feels like it functions in the story as an excuse for us to see this actor a certain way as opposed to saying they could have a fucking 50 year difference if the point of that relationship is to like broaden our knowledge of this character and to push us, you know, the audience a little bit in case someone's what I mean, I don't know how many people who are uncomfortable with LGBTQ issues are like pop in surge of power too. Sure. Let's, let's check it out. But just in case they are, this is an opportunity to like for that rep- what representation does, which is like this is normal and healthy and good. But we see so little of it and it's done so poorly that it doesn't accomplish that. And that that just kind of bummed me out. On, on the other hand, you know, I, I, if it was done well, it could have actually been. 
I would actually be okay considering that there's not a lot going on with the whole possibly destroying the world aspect of the movie that like that could have been the whole point of the movie. It's just their relationship. Like that would have been fine because sure. whatever's going on with metal master is not that interesting either. So let's focus on their relationship. Let's make that what this movie is about. And that doesn't happen either. It's just sort of in there and it doesn't go anywhere. I do think by the way, that some of the special effects in the movie are actually pretty well done. Not all of them, certainly, but there's obviously <laughs> been some efforts, some CG effects, which are, if you're like me and watch a lot of, micro-budget type movies, even though this movie reportedly cost $200,000. I think some of the special effects, including the car driving off of the bridge, uh, I think <laughs> some of them are pretty well done, if a little cartoonish, but that's appropriate for this sort of material. I think it's time for us to talk about Eric Roberts, who does... I mean, this is not... We talked about some of those small appearances that show up throughout this movie. Eric Roberts has a real role in this movie, even compared to Robert Picardo, who shows up at the very end. Robert Picardo, an actor I love, I really, really like, uh, and it was very, you know, nice to see him in this. Eric Roberts is the villain in this movie. He gets a, a decent amount of screen time, even though you can probably guess that it was probably shot in a short amount of time. He is wearing what I think is a very flimsy and poor looking costume. Um, <laughs> but I want to get both of your thoughts on Eric Roberts' performance here. Uh, before I give my own thought. I'm going to start actually with you, Liam. Eric Roberts, what did you think of him in Surge of Power? <laughs> I want I want to be positive so bad because I like that he wanted to do this movie. And I think it's not that he doesn't have fun in the role, but he doesn't do anything. It doesn't – he feels kind of barely present in a way. Like he just sort of like – I don't know. I, I, maybe this is how he sees the character. It's just very nonchalant and just unaffected by things. But it, there's just nothing. He's just not doing it. I don't know. I, I, he didn't bring anything to the role, and he doesn't have any awesome Eric Roberts moments. He sort of delivers these lines in a way that, like, he doesn't. It seems to me like he doesn't really care about it that much. And again, I don't know how long he was on set. I don't know, you know, what else is going on there. But it wasn't a very impressive Eric Roberts performance. I just remember that there's a part in this movie where a car turns into a giant robot with the voice of Bruce Valanche. Yep, yep, <laughs> that happened. And and I get that the whole point of that scene is that he's so strong that their attacks don't matter. But the way he plays that of him just sort of like. I don't know, flouncing them off a little bit. Like he's just sort of mocking them. It's not cool. It's not funny. It just, I don't know, whatever. Will, do you agree with Liam uh, in his suggestion that Eric Roberts sucks in this movie? I um, I, I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to uh, concur more or less. Uh, various notes that I wrote down at the time were uh, for those who thought Eric Roberts didn't take it far enough over the top when he played the master in Doctor Who. Uh but I don't even think that's even accurate. I think there's like one moment where I felt that way. Otherwise, it's like he some of the dialogue that he had would have been good if he hadn't blown through it. But he's like whipping through it when he first shows up in the film. And like because <laughs> the only reason I know that is because there were subtitles when I was watching it at the time. Yeah. And the actual the lines themselves were, would have been great if you'd actually been able to pay any attention to him. But he's like, yeah, I mean, it got to a point where. I stopped focusing on what he was saying and started focusing on his glasses and the fact that his glasses reminded me of George Burns' glasses. And then I started imagining George Burns playing the role, that he would have done it kind of like the way he played the devil in Ogachi Devil. Uh, yeah, There's I mean, a I couple of parts where he doesn't 
it doesn't feel like he's interacting with anyone. Like, yeah. I almost thought, mm-hmm. like, even yeah. though he's standing next to Metal Master, I'm like, did they just CGI this and they never actually were in the same room together? I mean, it's possible. I mean, most of his part is shot up against a green screen with fake background. Yeah. So it- I actually wrote, there are local weathercasters with more realistic backdrops. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck. I, I'm very sorry to say that about the film because it is well-intentioned. And yet, here we are. Well, good intentions... We we give points for good intentions here. Absolutely. On Eric Roberts is the fucking man, and, and you know, and and there is noble uh, um, content here in this film, but it isn't enough, I think, particularly in 2018, uh, to to overcome some of the severe limitations in terms of the plot, in terms of some of the performances, in terms of really how it all ends up. It does feel very unsatisfying because it all feels like sort of a prequel to something. That, you know, may or may not exist. In this case, a web series, which I actually haven't, haven't checked out. And maybe it's very worthwhile. It does seem to, this web series, include a lot of the same famous faces that appeared in this movie. I wonder <laughs> what the context of that might be. I think I enjoyed the Eric Roberts content in this a little bit more than the two of you. He does seem to be having a, a little bit of fun, at least when he's... um He's interacting directly with the Metal Master character. Uh, whether they're actually interacting directly or not. He does seem to get a bit of a kick out of this being um, a villain that is sort of not so villainous. You know what I mean? Where he's, uh, you know, he's, he, you know, he's, he's talking to his underling and talking about how he doesn't want to pay him and stuff like that. And, and he's just kind of having this light, uninteresting, but still kind of fun banter. Um, but I do think it is just like a lot of the films that we cover on Eric Roberts as the fucking man. It's probably a lot of the limitations in his performance come from the fact that there probably wasn't much time to film it. Um, and I do want to get your thoughts, Liam. What about his costume? What do you think about that costume? <laughs> I mean, I will say this. When they showed the Council of Evil at the end and they all had <laughs> similar costumes, <laughs> that at least gave some consistency of like, okay, I get it now. It's like a fucking uniform for your evil people club. But like by itself, I was like, what the fuck is he wearing? How is this? Because this is, I, I, I guess this is the thing with the costumes in general. Metal Master and uh, and Surge of Powers costumes are like literal representations of the phrase uh, they're doing too much. Like those outfits are doing too much. Like, yes, you're a superhero, but Jesus, what is going on with what you're wearing? And then you see Eric Roberts comes out and it's almost entirely the exact opposite. It's just a robe with some cutout felt triangles on it. And it's just kind of like, it looks weird, mostly because the other ones are so over. It's like, I don't understand what we're going for here. Why is he dressed like he's just like a, a arts and crafts monk? And they're like in full crazy, like, uh, anyways, it's a weird outfit. And it, it and when it's revealed that I guess it's the uniform of the evil people, right. I like that they thought of that consistency, especially since the symbols on the different outfits are supposed to represent things about those characters. Right. But then I kept thinking, like, so does he have triangles just because of, he wanted a crystal? Like, they didn't really get into that at all. They didn't even get into what his fucking staff is. So I don't know. <laughs> I will say that uh, I noticed at one point he pronounced the word omnipotent as omnipotent. <laughs> Hey, that, that works. I think that works. Maybe that's just a, a uh, some it's some parts of the United States that's how they would say that word. Who knows? I don't know. Now, now what did you think about uh, the uh, Eric Roberts, Robert Picardo dueling uh, catchphrases? 
that so there is a part for listeners who have not watched this movie um, where Robert Picardo uh, appears at the very end, and basically the end of this movie doesn't involve Surge or the Metal Master at all. It's a standoff between Eric Roberts and Robert Picardo, and they are throwing quotes from movies at each other at one point. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's fun to watch these actors say some famous lines from movies. I don't really know what the purpose is of it, but it did. I did enjoy it a lot more than when uh, Surge. Uh, said his own catchphrase throughout the movie. Um, which do, do you remember what that is, Liam? What his catchphrase was? Z- Zaruba? Z- I don't... No, 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 not that one. The one <laughs> one he would say constantly, and then someone would question whether he should be saying it. Do you remember? How about you, Will? Do you remember what that, that would be? I, I, I do not, although I remember him saying it. I can't remember what it actually was. I remember groaning after the third fucking time he said it. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Will, I did think that that part was kind of fun because I liked watching those two actors interact, if, if indeed they were interacting. Uh, but uh, I wish I could say it was enough to save the, uh, the climax of the film for myself. I feel like this, uh, this might be obvious, but we still have to go through this portion. Is Eric Roberts, Will Harris, guest on this episode, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2018's Surge of Power, Revenge of the Sequel? I would have to say that in this instance, Eric Roberts is not the man. Fucking man. God, it hurt to even say it. <laughs> well, well, I feel like now that I've heard you say that and you said it with such force, that Liam maybe has been turned around on the subject. Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Surge of Power, Revenge of the Sequel? <sighs> this is really hard because when I... In the past, when I've denied Eric Roberts the title of the fucking man. You've denied him three times, which is really disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Maybe I should give it to him just so I keep my streak of that. I could be his fucking Peter. No, um, (laughs) when I've done it in the past, it's been out of anger uh, because what we watched made me angry. Sure. (laughs) And so I just wanted to punish him for having been in something that made me angry. This movie didn't make me angry. I didn't like it. It wasn't entertaining. Um, I I don't think I would watch it again. But it didn't make me angry at all. And parts of it were endearing because I I can tell where this guy's coming from. Sure. And I think the general idea is a good one. So I I almost want to I almost want to give Eric Roberts a a bump here for having done a movie like this and 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 whatever. But but no, he's bad in this movie in in my (laughs) mind. I get that you said, well, he seemed like he was having fun, but playing a supervillain, I'm going to need him to have a little more fun than this. I just feel like for me, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, he phoned it in. He, he showed up, he said his lines a little too fast and yeah, he, he had a good time, but, but he didn't bring much Eric Roberts to the role. So no, I don't think he's the man in this movie. I wish I could combat the two of you and say, no, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. But unfortunately, in this particular case, I do think that the there is that that depending on what your expectations are going in, that there is fun to be had in Surge of Power, Revenge of the Sequel. And not just amongst seeing the famous faces on display. If you do have an interest in a lot of those faces, hey, that might help. It's fun to see Red Brown with a little uh, Captain America um shield on his microphone as he's playing a newscaster here like little things like that helped me get through it i sat through it and watched it in one sitting i i didn't find it so tedious but uh, i do have to say in this movie eric roberts is not 
the fucking man. Doesn't make me happy to say it. Doesn't make me pleased to say it. But I'll tell you what, if you're unsure about what we're saying, and if you want to check it out for yourself, why don't you hop on Amazon Prime in the United States right now? You can watch it for free at this very moment. Leave us a comment and let us know if you agree or disagree. It is pretty rare, Liam, on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast for us to all agree that Eric Roberts is not the fucking man in something. Makes me feel a little dirty, Liam. It happens, though. It happens. <laughs> it does happen. I don't feel good about it. No. I, feel, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, if, if nothing else, <laughs> this episode has left us all not feeling good, which is just exactly the sort of thing that I like happening. Well, I mean, here's here's the thing. Giving, giving a pass, is there something weird about giving a pass because we think the idea of this movie is sure. a good idea when none of us actually like the movie? That's also kind of weird but um so i just feel like i want to be honest about it but on the other hand i don't like saying how much i did not enjoy this movie because it wasn't again it didn't make me mad this isn't fucking some of the crazy shit we've had to watch like this was okay this is i will say that uh this would be an appropriate time to cite my favorite subtitle from the film which was tense and unsettling orchestral music <laughs> Yep, I that, mean, that would certainly sum up what we'd be playing behind us if we had a, a score. Well, let's move away from being tense and unsettling to being more triumphant, which we'll do right after this final break. We're going to return and do a little bit of plugging and say goodnight. That was episode number 83 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to our guest today, one of my very favorite writers on the planet, Will Harris, uh, who was very nice to come back, make a return appearance on the podcast. Will, you've already talked about this wonderful book that you're working on. Where else can people find your work on the Internet? They can find me at the AV Club. Uh, they can find me most recently on a Variety's website. I did a piece on the uh, 25th anniversary of the premiere of Frasier. Uh, I'm still doing some stuff for VanityFair.com, and I regularly write stuff for Rhino.com. And what about on the social media, Will? Where can people follow you to keep up on what you're doing? Uh, they can find me on Twitter, which is uh, at NonStopPop. Uh, they can also find me on Facebook, and I think I may have maxed out on my actual friend page, uh, but uh, I've got Will Harris, writer, interviewer, pop culture obsessive as a uh, quote fan page, unquote, that you can follow me on there. I'm on there. You should be on there, too. We'll link it even if it is full so you can watch from afar and not be allowed in the secret club of Will Harris obsessives. Liam, you're very mm -hmm. excitingly working on lots of stuff right now. Why don't you tell people where they can find your work and what you've been doing lately? Uh, Sure. The best place to find 
mm, almost <laughs> everything is uh, cinepunks.com. That's uh, punks with an X. Uh, and to follow the uh, Cinepunks Twitter account at Cinepunks. Uh, but I will say I did write something recently for our friends over at synapse.co. Judas! Uh, <laughs> wait, wait! You you definitely can't. If anyone can't say that, it's definitely you. What? Uh, because you haven't even written anything for Cinepunks yet, Liam. If what? they if the listeners only knew how much I do for your fucking site, they'd no, be that's like, true. You should be I'm not begging. You don't. Okay, okay. I'm not saying you All don't. Right, I'm backing what up. I am saying though. What I am saying though is that most of your writing has not been for Cinepunks, so you can't call me a Judas because I wrote one thing for another website. All right. Please continue. <laughs> Point is, you can find some of my writing at Synapse, though uh, I've also written a couple things recently for Cinepunks. And uh, this is not my labor, but we launched a new show on Cinepunks that I think is worth checking out. It's called Wine and Cheese. Wine is W-H-I-N-E. And uh, it's just basically two friends. They pick a, a, a cheesy movie and a emotional record. And they combine the two and they talk about them. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and so far, the combinations have been actually pretty, pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, it's not like a super in-depth whatever, but I find it very interesting. What, what Can you give us an example of one of the combinations? Yeah. Episode one was uh, Varsity Blues and American Football. Uh, and episode two was uh, Blue Crush and whatever that Blue Weezer album is called. I don't know what it's fucking called. I think it's just called the Blue Album. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, indeed, we do. <laughs> yeah, and they'll, they'll, in theory, I'm assuming they're going to have a new one every week. They certainly have enough episodes to do it, so right. I think we'll be posting it weekly. Very exciting. You can find my work over on uh, – <laughs> my work. You can find me, I should say, over on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can, of course, find Liam on there as well, at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z because it's so fucking cool. Um, you can, of course, if you want to check out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you can go over to ericrobertsistheman.com or uh, follow us on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. Why don't you do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook as well and join our group over there. You can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, which features – uh, micro budget cinema, ultra low budget cinema. Hey, this movie that we talked about today might actually uh, fit into that category. We recently focused on a movie called Plaga Zombie, Zona Mutante, an Argentinian splatter movie, which we both enjoyed very much. And you can check that out uh, over at nobudgetpodcast.com or on Twitter at nobudgetpodcast. But I think it's time to close the Eric Roberts bag for another week. We will be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts.